Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Turned On Podcast. My name is David Nori, and to my right is a woman who absolutely loves a good deal. Wouldn't you agree, Edge? I like a good bargain. Yeah, you're always dealing. You're a dealer. I am a dealer. Um, and we're a dealer. <laughs> Stop. We're going to talk about... <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. But we're gonna... I'm leading in. That was our lead-in because we're going to talk about deals today in so much as you heard this term a lot last year. At the end of last year, you heard this term ad nauseum. Are you ready for this? Let's hear it. Quid pro quo. It's like, I think I heard quid pro quo more in the final three or four months of, of 2019 than my entire life. And basically quid pro quo, if you don't know by now, um, if you're somehow sleeping on another planet, um, it's a favor or advantage granted or expected in return for something else. In other words, I do this for you, you do this for me. So, Ange, I'm going to ask you, um, you're familiar with this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, my favorite quid pro quo that you do is if you get the kids to bed, then we could have some adult time. <laughs> <laughs> that's Way to air it out there. That's the quid pro quo. The only part is, is when I do my part, of, I get the kids to bed, I come back in and you're sleeping. You didn't. You haven't gotten kids today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe a little less, a little less. On the, uh, if I what, if I, uh, if I, you know, take the kids to the bathroom, or if I give the kid a bath, then I'll do the dishes. Anyway, husbands and wives go through this stuff. Yeah. I'm being funny, but we do it. But we're going to talk a little bit more seriously about quid pro quo. I had to get that one thing in there. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> But we're going to be a little bit more serious about about quid pro quo. Um, how do we do it in our in our everyday lives? We're always trying to uh, make kind of deals with ourselves. You know, if I could, if I could just, you know, eat this one slice of pizza, I'll go on a diet tomorrow. You know, you're making a deal with yourself. Um, as I said before, we do it with our spouses. If you do the groceries, I'll mow the lawn. Whatever it is, we're doing deals. Yeah, I mean. You scratch your back, or I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I mean, it's just, I, it is everywhere. And I think that's um, part of our society, too, and culturally, is just everybody's looking for their ROI, mm -hmm. you know? And then there's something wrong with that. I mean, wherever you're investing your time or your energy or your money or whatever, like, that makes total sense. But sometimes it can be ad nauseum, like you said. Like, but where, where do we take it too far is the question, right? Well, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Have you ever, from a spiritual standpoint, and be honest, have you ever played deal or no deal with God? 
I'm sure I have. Have you ever like, hey, hey, God, you know what? If you do this one thing for me, uh, you know, I'll do this. We've heard that before, right? Have you ever done that? Well, I know that um, hmm, this is actually a really big one. So specifically when my mom was on her deathbed, um, she was in radical amounts of pain. And um, I had thought she was a goner at one point and basically had already grieved. And then she perked up for like a whole week, remember? And um, her pain got to the point where it was so bad that uh, I, I couldn't, I, mean, I almost couldn't handle it anymore because Phoenix was about to turn one years old. Um, she was all over the house in New Jersey, which was not kid friendly. And um, you were on business calls. Ella was like, reduced to being in front of the television most of the day while I took care of mom. And I remember at one point I went to go look for Phoenix and I couldn't find her. And she was in the bathroom with a can of Comet. And <clears throat> thankfully she didn't get into it, but had the, those seconds not had, had the seconds not been minutes, you know, she, she could have, it could have been disastrous. And finally the nurse came and I said, do you have mom? And she goes, yep. I said, David, you got the girls? And he said, yep. And I grabbed my flip-flops in the middle of summer in New Jersey. And I went for a very long walk in my old neighborhood. And I was bawling and at the same time yelling at God. And it's the very first time that I came to terms with having to let go of my mom. And I said, God, if you just take her and get her out of this pain, I will do whatever it is that you have asked of me, but I just need some clarity. Uh -huh. And she was showing no signs of the dying process at that point. And then next day she was gone. So I had to live with that. Like I lived with that, wow. like, that I asked him to take her and he took her. And it really, it, it struck me because, you know, that was a big ask. And it was something I had to really come to terms with on my own because it's the last thing I wanted was to lose my mom but I already knew I was losing her. So at that point it was just like, I need to take my selfish ambition out of this and trying to cling on to every moment with her and say, this woman needs to be out of pain. And God, if this is your will, and if it's time, uh -huh. then take her home, take her home and I'll do anything. I will do anything. And, you know, he certainly has turned up the, my heart for ministry. And that's why we're doing this now. Um, and that was one of the big moments for me. It was a, it was a quid pro, pro quo for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing it was for mercy. Absolutely. And, and what we're going to get into here is maybe when, when we have the flip side of that, I mean, that was very unselfish answer. Of course you didn't want to lose your mom. No. Um, and, and what, what I think brought about this topic is we see so many people that they want to be what we call like, you know, Sunday they're in, they're in the pews on Sunday or when they need something. You know, and, and we're not here to chastise. We're not here to judge. I'm not one of those people. But what I, w I do want to draw attention to this kind of quid pro quo philosophy on faith. In other words, hey, God, you know what? You just take a back seat. And when I need you, I'll call you. You know, you'll, you'll be my emergency. And I expect you to be there when I need you. And think about that. It's kind of ridiculous. That's God. It's like a first aid kit. Yeah, it's a first aid kit, you know, and, and it might start off very innocently, like, you know, back in college. Hey, God, if you just let me pass this algebra two, algebra two final, I promise to go to church this week. You know, innocent kid stuff, but, you know, it's not good, but you get it. And then as you get older, the, the topics get more serious. Hey, you know, 
God, if you could just save my marriage or cure this disease or help me land this job, I will. I promise to be a better person. I promise to stop smoking. I promise to treat people better. I promise to, you know, tithe more. I promise to go to church at all. And what's happening is we are putting God in this quid pro quo situation. And, you know, the question is, do you think that God needs to prove himself to you? You know, it says throughout the Bible, you know, do not challenge God. He doesn't want to be challenged. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. And he wants what's best for you. But um, we should know better than to challenge him. He doesn't need to prove himself to you. I think we need to prove ourselves more often to him. Or, you know, this really what it comes down to on, on both things, guys, is he wants a relationship with you. So if we look at the quid pro quo, maybe God, he doesn't do anything bad. He's, you know, when people say, God, how could you do this to me? Why would you take this person? Or why would you do this? How could you let this happen? That's not the God we're talking about. And that, that's not the way he operates, correct? No, he doesn't. Um, I, I look at it like any relationship. I mean, God wants a relationship with you. So if we want a relationship with each other, we want a relationship with our children. And um, the last thing that, you know, I want to want for a relationship is for, you know, I don't, I don't want to treat my husband as if, you're only there when I need you. You know, I, I only ask of you when I need of you. I mm -hmm. only show up for you when I need something. That's not a relationship. Exactly. That's manipulation. It's manipulation. And so the no most important relationship that guides and is the compass and, you know, the moral, you know, <clears throat> altitude for every other relationship is your relationship with God. And that relationship will then cascade into the relationship that you have with yourself for self-love, the relationship that you have in your home, among your community, and certainly with the marketplace and how you manage money. So exactly. Let's stop here because you said two things that I want to draw attention to. You first compared it to like, you know, when you go to a medicine kit, you look for first aid. Yeah. And we, we can't treat our relationship like that. Hey, I only need you when there's an emergency. And the other part is you said... You know, you wouldn't do that to your spouse. So it's a great point. And what other relationship in your life does it work like that? You know, I mean, let me ask you, if you had, if you had a friend that only called when they needed a favor, you wouldn't consider that person a friend. You'd call them like a mooch, mooch. right? Or even if in your personal relationships, you know, hey, dad, uh, I called you because I need some money. You know, then you're a selfish son. Um, so... If we can't recognize it in our in our own if we can recognize it in our own personal relationships, we should be able to do the same in our spiritual journey. You know, God doesn't always answer us, but He doesn't want to be tested. Okay, so just give you a few scriptures right off the bat: Matthew four seven, "You shall not put the Lord your God to test." So it's not like, hey, if you do this, I'll do this. He's He's not a deal or no deal God. You know, it's it takes two. Um, James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under child, trial, for when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life for which God has promised. In other words, that's the key. You have to remain steadfast. You can't put God on a timeline. You can't give him ultimatums. It doesn't work like that. And it's not because he is this guy like who's operating under this sense of, well, I'm the boss. No. He's looking for the relationship or, or the better part is sometimes what you think is right for you 
and what you want and what you're praying for, mm -hmm. it may not be right for you at all. Case in point, Ange, I, re I remember two instances, they happened almost back to back. Um, you know, I was praying, I was praying to be with a girl. You know, I thought, I thought there was a future there. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't you. I was, and, and I thought this was, you know, Hey God, just let this happen. You know, let this happen. It wasn't happening. And, and look what happened later on. I got blessed. And I thank God now that, Hey, thank you, God, for not answering my prayers, for, for seeing what you had in store for me. But I was human and I was impatient. And the other part is, um, I don't know if I told this story before, but I was uh, like in my fifth interview with the show Big Brother, and I had been flown out to California. I mean, it was this was it, right? Three days, we're going to start filming everything. I'm, I'm in this hotel, and I haven't talked to anybody. Nobody knows about this. This is my big break. And they knock on my door after two days of being in this hotel. And they said, "Hey, we're sending the whole cast home, and we're gonna we're gonna recast this episode." And I was so distraught. Even though it's hard for me to admit that now that the show I really wanted to be on at the time, I thought it was my way out. And I was praying to God, hey, let this be a catalyst for other things. And I was so distraught. But how that figures into the first story is I met you the week I came home from, I was sent home from that show. I met you. I got sent on a story to do a story about a girl who just won a competition. And that person was you. That's so... Prayed for prayed for this thing to work out and Big Brother. Prayed for a, a girl just prior to meeting Angelique, and God had none of that. Wasn't answering my prayers. I was frustrated. How could you do this? Where do you leave me now? And all of a sudden, God goes, "Hold on, David. <laughs> just because you were praying for it doesn't mean it was right for you. I got your back. I'm the one who can see the big picture. I'm going to bless you if you." Just continue to have faith in me and trust in me. I'll bless you. Well, he sits on the ultimate throne. You know, he's he stands in victory. He sees it all. And um, hey, but you know what? That doesn't mean that everything's always going to be perfect and beautiful. And you know, we are going to face circumstances. Like I faced that circumstance, you know, with my mom. So there's going to be times of heartache, and there's going to be seasons where you're like, I just I can't understand this. You know, I, I don't. I don't know why this is happening right now. Why are we at rock bottom in our relationship? Why are we rock bottom with our finances? Why are we having to deal with such a devastating circumstance? And sometimes you're, you know, you're on your knees in desperation, clinging and asking for, for God to intercede. And it, you almost feel like you're, you know, on the, the AM stations that have nothing going on. And, you know, the wee hours of the morning, there's just dead silence. And, you know, it, it takes, it takes time when you get through it and then you look back, mm -hmm. like you look back and you go, Oh my gosh, now I understand. Now I understand why I went through that. Now I understand what I can learn from that. And I think that that's, I really feel the, the world oftentimes misses that. And, um, we're just, we're in a place now where we're constantly seeking information. And, but how quickly, Inch, we've yeah. said this before, where we want instant gratification. Right. And, and patience is perhaps the most difficult thing for any human being to have these days because we live in this fast paced society. Well, because our phones are fast, our cars are fast, our. A our Google search is fast. fast. It, yeah. And God's not a Google search. He's not going to be like, okay, you have, you know, how many gigs do you have to answer me, God? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're also, we're, we, 
we in our humanness, and we heard this today, but we lack wisdom and obedience is really what it comes down to. So you don't need more information. Um, and you don't necessarily, you certainly don't need to be using God as a first aid kit. What are you doing with what he's given you so far? Mm -hmm. How much have you stewarded these areas of your life so far? And that can be, you know, a, a question that you ask yourself and, and what we all, we also teach in the turned on method, you know, you just got to keep the lights on. Like if, if you didn't do the maintenance, it, no wonder the light went out. Yeah. So don't, you know, beat yourself up and find shame and guilt in that. But it will feel a little bit overwhelming if it's just now time for you to give attention to it. However, this is oftentimes when many people find God, seek God or cry out to him because they jump on, you know, they land on their knees for the first aid kit and they say, in desperation, if you could just do this, I will do that. And so the quid pro quo prayer is exactly what we're talking about here. However, it doesn't always have to be that way. But but it's it's you know, we got to cover both sides of this, guys. Um, trust me, we've thought this out. Um, there's a lot of people that it has happened for. I mean, oh, there's there's a oh. ton of people who were literally had a gun to their head or a needle in their arm. The most famous case I can think of was the, the guy from Corn. Uh, the lead singer, not the lead singer, but the guitarist from Corn, who has a, a very uh, well-known story about his, him being addicted to drugs and him just, you know, doing his last snort with a pile of, I don't know, was it meth or cocaine or whatever. Yeah. And he looked up at, and he said, Jesus, if you're real, take this away from me. And he did the last snort and he passed out. And when he woke up, he's never done drugs since. And he's given his life to Christ. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, quid pro quo <laughs> to the max. We're not saying uh, God doesn't work miracles. No. What we're saying is, guys, let's slow this down for a second. We're looking for a trust transaction here. You trusting in God and him trusting that you're going to be faithful to him. I can give you um, another uh, scripture, Hebrews 11.6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And I would say seeking him is, in, in most cases, a process, not just saying, hey, are you here? Give me a sign. I need this. It's, I believe in you. I'm looking for you. Um, in, in 1 John 5, he says, remind, reminds us that God does not indeed hear each prayer. And we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. Let me repeat that. He will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line. What's the key word? With his will. It was not his will for me to be with that other person. It was not his will for me to make an appearance on Big Brother. It was his will for me to meet the woman to my right. It was his will for me to fall in love with her and for us to be on this mission right now where we are speaking to you. Mm. And if it goes on to say, if we know he is listening, we make our request. We can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. And this says, note that in asking, it is in line with his will. That is required. People often pray for things they want instead of things that God desires for us. Hmm. He has our best interests. Okay. Pastor Mark Driscoll said today, God will meet your need, not necessarily your greed. And I was like, oh, whoa, mic drop. Because, you know... <clears throat> David, his need was, was for love and his need was for a godly love, but he didn't know that. He thought his need was for 
that woman at that particular time. So ask yourself right now, like, what are, what are you saying or asking in prayer right now that is in a place of greed? Now, let's not take the, the word greed and over um, villainize it right now. Sometimes greed is, we don't even realize it can be unhealthy. It's, it's not like you're like, oh, I want all the money and the things in the world and, you know, relentless sex and drugs and alcohol and rock and roll. No, that's not what we're saying. It's, you know, sometimes we're asking above and beyond what we need in our contentment. And I think that's often time now, don't, not mistake contentment with complacency. Complacency is, uh, you're not doing the maintenance or stewarding well, those areas. Contentment is how Paul was when he was, he had the joy and the peace of Christ in his poorest times and his richest times in jail. And when he was on top, you know, there was always that joy and that peace. And David and I both know both sides of that. I mean, we know when we're, what it's like to be on top and we know what it's like to be on rock bottom. We know what it's like for things to be smooth sailing. And we know what it's like to have intense background noise going on in the most stressful times of our lives. And so what we have doesn't mean we don't have moments of overwhelm or frustration and wall kicking moments and times of yelling and getting irritated with things and people, but it means that there is a joy and a peace that exists within us that, that is a contentment that comes from God and God alone. And that means that, you know what, God, I, I don't understand why this is happening right now. And maybe one day you'll reveal it to me and I'm sure you will. However, I'm content with what you're doing, but if, if I could just, you know, if, if we could just have an agreement right now that if, if we walk in obedience towards this, mm-hmm. that there will be whatever this oppression is, whatever this, this um, stronghold is, it will be broken. And I think that's more of the prayer that, that you know, we're, we've been working on for the last few years is we're not asking for big stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we know what, and that's the thing. It's alignment, right? Like your heart yeah. wanted love and didn't necessarily want that woman even though at the time you did. So the question is, have you sought the kingdom first? Are you seeking the face of God first? And if you are, trust, right. trust that the desires of your heart will be his well, also. And here's the thing, you know, in the secular world or in so many conferences that we've been to, right? They always do this one thing where it's this big thing where, hey, close your eyes and the person behind you, you know, on the count of three, they're going to catch you. It's like this big trust thing. And you've seen it before. It's been overdone. And, oh, my gosh, they catch you. And you're like, oh, yes, that's trust. That's what trust is all about. I mean, no. Like, how about on, on, on a spiritual level? Like, someone catching you, that's, that's an exercise someone's doing at an event. That has nothing to do with real trust, okay? Of course they're going to catch you. Because they don't want to drop you and look like an idiot in front of everybody. Okay? We're talking about real trust. Trust saying that, hey, God, man, I'm in a bad spot right now. Things seem down. Doesn't look like a lot of light in my life. I don't know where to turn. And I've been praying for this for a while. It's not happening. But you know what? I'm not going to give up on you because I'm, I'm faithful in you. I know that you're there. I know that you hear me. You know, my sister couldn't get pregnant, and uh, I prayed for every single night. I remember this is right around when I was in college, and I prayed every single night, every night. I prayed every night, I'm not lying, for seven straight years for my sister to have a baby. And um, 
I remember one, one night my mom called me and just casual conversation. And she goes, guess who's pregnant? I think I guessed three or four other names before she's like, no dummy, your sister. It's weird because I, I had kept praying, but I think I'd given up a little bit of hope, but I kept praying and those prayers were answered. So sometimes they take time. Um, if I'm looking here, I, I woke up this morning in kind of a funk. And uh, sometimes I just open the Bible and I just ask for a word and I just open it to a random page. And I was like, I got to tell Angelique what this said this morning. Because um, not a very popular verse, but it's from Laminations. Laminations. Uh, lam <laughs> <laughs> paper. It's a new book in the Bible called lam Laminations. laminations. Very smooth. Uh, <laughs> Lamentations, I'm sorry. Um, chapter three, and it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are now every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. I mean, this says this over and over and over again. Um, we have to take this literally. Remember, and we have a, we have a timeline because we are human and we operate on a 60 second clock, um, on, a, on a 60 minute hour and a 24 hour day and a 12 hour month. And, you know, God's not up there with that same time clock. He doesn't have that restraint on him. So, you know, this is partly for the people who are believers and then, you know, I know there's a lot of people who aren't believers or they're agnostics and they figure, hey, I'm going to give God a chance this time because other people have been telling me about him and I really need this. So I'm going to come to him and then it doesn't happen. And it's a perfect opportunity for them to say, oh, look, God's not real. You know, these people always told me that if I just believed it, if I just prayed him, things would happen. And I did. It didn't happen. But that's not faith. Again, that goes back to the quid pro quo. Okay, we have to have a deeper understanding, and I believe that's where we're at right now. I believe that if we can talk about this, no matter where you're at on the faith scale, if you're an agnostic, you're a new believer, you're on the fence, or you are, you know, you are a, just a hardcore believer, um, prayer and being committed to prayer and knowing that God's time is not always our time is a crucial part of really developing your faith in your relationship, again, your relationship with the Lord. Well, there's the blind faith that, that comes, you know, with that. And by blind faith, I mean, sometimes we have to go into things with just this full-time giant faith that no matter what, we trust that, what God is going to do with that outcome, even if it hurts, um, is going to be something to glorify him later on and is going to be the betterment for you. You know, case in point, like what you talked about, you know, praying for a woman that ended up not being your, the woman that you were going to end up and it was me and here we are. Thank God for that. And I prayed for, hey, I prayed for other relationships too, by the way. And, um, <laughs> they didn't work out and they were like, I don't understand why this isn't working out. This is perfect quote unquote situation. And I look back and I'm like, geez, thank God he told, didn't tell me to come home. Thank God he told me to stay on 
first base. Um, but we got to explain that real quick because you, you just brought in that analogy. We haven't explained that analogy. Oh. We're talking about first base. People might get the wrong idea. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about um, at our At our Turn On Live event, I did um, a presentation. And, you know, as a sports writer, I always like to kind of make that correlation between life and sports. And, you know, I see, I see this correlation here is if you've ever played baseball or softball, you know when you get to first base, the thing you do as soon as you arrive is you got to locate the third base coach. The third base coach gives you what? Gives you signals. The third base coach has what? A lot more experience than you. He's been there. He's done that. Um, but most importantly, why do we look at the third base coach when we're on first base? Because he can see everything. He can see things behind us. He has a, a way better view of what's going on and understanding way more so than we do. So when we're talking about this metaphor of being on first base, sometimes you get outside or you get ahead of God's timing and you're taking that lead and you're like, I'm going to take second base. I feel like this is the right time. But you're not looking for the signal. You're not looking at God over there on third base. You're doing things on your own time. Meanwhile, God's over there, like Angelique said, with both hands waving up in the air going, hey, 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 no, <laughs> do not do not try to take second base. This is not the right moment. You have no idea what I'm seeing and what you're not. This is a definite out. <laughs> Trust me, go back to the bag, be patient and look at me. So that's the kind of metaphor um, that I want you to think about yeah. next time you're in that situation. Are you looking for your third base coach or... Are you trying to force a situation and take second without knowing what's going on? Well, so kind of back to what I was stating with that in, in terms of blind faith. And there's so many instances, like I can have blind, I know I can have blind faith in my God and therefore blind faith. It, with that blind faith, I can steward personally, personally, I can steward my own obedience in whatever it is I'm trying to do. That comes to, that comes uh, to be applied to my relationships and my work, right? Now, Sometimes, sometimes those with faith and those without can pursue a blind faith in people, things, and their work. And here's, here's where that can be dangerous, really dangerous. God has given us spiritual eyes and discernment, okay? So with that discernment, we are supposed to be able to assess a situation where our heart is in the right place, when our mind and our spirit are aligned with God, and go, hmm, using blind faith in this situation would mean that I'm going to pull up the anchor and set sail into a hurricane, okay? That's stupid, okay, listener? That's stupid, and I'm not calling you stupid, what I'm saying is, is that oftentimes we can do that. We can have blind faith with a situation, i.e. relationship or business or whatever. I'm like, I don't care. I, you know, I can do anything. And it's just this positive thinking rut that we get into, which isn't it's good. You want to be positive. But there is a discernment that comes along with your spiritual walk and the Holy Spirit. And you go, that would be dumb. I don't set sail with holes in my ship into a hurricane. Not a good idea. I'm either going to wait until I have clear skies and get this ship fixed, or I'm going to wait for the right ship to set sail at the right time. 
So if you are in a relationship right now or a business right now that appears to be an absolute hurricane and you can't control the hurricane, meaning the other person because there's a will involved there or a company because there are other people in control, take a hard look at what you're trying to set sail in with blind faith because that can get you into a lot of trouble. That doesn't mean that it can't course correct, it can't turn around, and there can't be a resurrection. However, there is someone else or something else at play with the other person or the other thing or the other business, whatever, that does not involve you. So now you are at risk of being among warfare that is being, for lack of a better word, possessed by something that is not aligned with the God that you're praying to. Okay. Good. I like where you went there. And thank you, Elvis, for chiming in for a second. Appreciate that. Um, what you said, because now you're aligned with something else. And this is perfect because, you know, guys, where there is there is light, there is also the darkness. Okay. And uh, I get a, uh, a kind of, uh, what do you call this? In the, when, when I wake up in the morning, I get kind of a morning devotional, a morning devotional uh, by John Eldridge. Your words today. We're late. So if you've ever heard of John Eldridge, it's a great... Uh, it's a, this particular book is called Love and War, and it's an, expert, an, ex, an excerpt from it. <laughs> I'm totally. I'm so so what you said, like a quid pro quo is another word for an agreement. And this is exactly what John Elridge was talking about. And he says, you know, if we're looking at, at this kind of relationship with God, the other side is somebody is trying to deceive us. And we know that that's the enemy. So when the enemy tries to deceive us, He's trying to secure from us an agreement, right? It's, it's like this little subtle agreement, like, oh, that's not working for you. God's not listening to you. Your prayers aren't being answered, right? So that's Satan tapping you on the shoulder. And it says the first thing we need to do, this is what Elridge says, is we need to recognize what's happening as the enemy presents this agreement and give it no quarter. Fight it, resist it, send it packing He says to the outer reaches of hell, recognize what's at stake here. Mm -hmm. He says the kingdom teeters on the 100 small choices we make every day. These small decisions, not to be overwhelming, but it's true. With with everything, there is a light and there is a dark. There is a right and there is a wrong. And, And where we fall is if we allow ourselves to say, God's not listening. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. And then we go into drinking and then we go into adulterous relationships and then we go into these things where we take the dark side instead of being what i call diligent and and headstrong and really heartstrong is what we're looking at inch well oftentimes you know and, and you brought that up and i was i was actually reading a devotional so i can't even find it right now but um and i will i will find it however the it was it was making a point of of darkness. It was making a point of the enemy and the cunningness of of him, and how much credit sometimes we don't give it. <laughs> uh, let's look at it this way: Adam and Eve, right? So Adam and Eve, Adam was made in the, the the image of God. They were made in the image of God, uncorruptible seed, and they were deceived. So if you think that you can't be deceived and blindly make an agreement to allow legal access in your life 
with the enemy, we, all of us, are sorely mistaken. That is where and why, like I said before, discernment is so unbelievably critical. And you have it. If you have accepted Christ in your life, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit and all of its manifestations, including the discerning of different spirits. And to be able to go, hmm, not of God, definitely something that doesn't feel right in my spirit. I feel a check. Send it packing. Disarm the enemy. Disarm him. Because when you have the Holy Ghost, it cannot touch you. It doesn't mean that we don't have weapons formed against us. They just can't prosper. So the, the point is, is that discernment is so important. When you're praying these prayers, these mm -hmm. quid pro quo prayers, and when you're acting with blind faith in it, certain areas of your life, that doesn't mean to be uh, to be with lack of discernment. Lack of discernment can get us into a, a heap of trouble, including like the entire fall of man. Um, yeah, you know, you know, and because um, as we go through these things, I my mind just wonders, and I always wonder who's listening, who's out there, and, and at what stage are they at, and, yeah, and what are they getting from this, you know, and. I read a couple more obscure passages, and I want to read one that's probably really familiar with most of you. It's Psalm 88. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will direct your paths. So I'm going to break it down because this is very important. You know, some people think the Bible is, is very hard to understand, but for the most part, it's very straightforward. God's not trying to trick anybody. He's not trying to make this calculus. For you to have to figure something out in order to have a relationship with you. You really got to take the Lord at his face value for what he says. And, and the Bible is divinely inspired. It is the word of God. It's not written by a man. It's not written by the mind of a man. It's written by man, but divinely inspired by God himself. And this particular verse, again, Psalm 88, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a little bit, not 25%, not 75%, not even 99%. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I get it. Easier said than done, but it's what it says. You got to try. Do not depend on your own understand on your own understanding. Why? Because we're human. Because we are that like that rookie who's on first base. We're just excited to be here. We're dusting off our uniform. We're looking at the crowd. We're looking at the camera. We don't really have a big understanding. There's a coach on third base who probably you know if we, if he's representing God, most baseball coaches on third base are old timers. They've been around the game for 40, 50 years. They've seen it all, okay? Trust, don't trust on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. In other words, hey, God, you know, I want this job. I would like this girl to be in my life. I would like to have this baby right now, but it's not my will. It's yours. I gotta, I gotta believe that you have my best interest, that if I'm faithful to you, that it's your will. Thy will be done. You know that prayer. And he will direct your paths. This is sometimes the hardest thing to do. Do you guys, let's go back to this earlier in this conversation. Do you think when Angelique was sitting there and her mom was, you know, on her deathbed, do you think that that's the path that she wanted? Do you think that she would have chosen that? I know for a fact she would have chosen a thousand other outcomes other than having her mom pass away. But it wasn't her will. And the funny part is, the funny part is your mom didn't pass till you left. You know, so 
the, the will of God was probably for you to not be there. Well, let me explain that. So I didn't leave her. I left the room for about 38 seconds. And that's when she And the same thing happened when your dad passed. We were there, we were there, we were there. Nonstop. Yeah. A daily vigil. We left for an hour and he passed. <clears throat> and so my, you know, I'm this, I mean, it was her, without question, her worst day. Um, I struggled to even know if she was in conscious, even conscious at that point. Um, and I was yelling at the hospice care over the phone because I was doing the work. They were just coming by for about 45 minutes a day to check her vitals. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> she, I, I won't, I'll spare you the details because it was not good. But I, I needed a suction. Let's just put it that way. I needed a suction for the fluid that was getting stuck in her uh, lungs and I didn't have one. So I was using a syringe that you normally give children, you know, five milliliters of Tylenol <laughs> to try to get it out of her mouth so she could breathe. And I was so angry that I was left to these devices to try to care for her. And I remember, like I said, I yelled at the, the nurse and he said they would be there soon to bring it. And I left the room because I was by her side when I made that phone call. I left the room to tell my grandmother and my cousin to listen for the door um, for when they were to show because they were going to be bringing the suction. And I kid you not, that's all I did. That's all I did. I, I went and told two people within, you know, 10 to 12 feet of where I was. And uh, when I came back in the room, she had, she was, she was gone. And there was so much relief for her, but there was this burden of, oh my gosh, like this is what I asked you yesterday, God, like this is what I prayed for you to do and you did it. And, and I fell on my knees and I felt, I felt guilt, but then I was like, well, what did I expect? You know, I mean, I, I put God to the test and, and I, I asked for this so that she could be out of this misery. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing to accept, but that's what we want to get this, you know, point across is, you know, God is real and, um, we can ask these big things and sometimes the outcome is not really favorable. Like it doesn't yeah. feel good. That did not feel good for me. Well, you know, it didn't feel good. real quickly, Ange, um, it's funny you say that because as we were listening to Pastor Mark Driscoll, I mean, so many good points. If you guys don't listen to Mark Driscoll, I, I highly recommend it. But, you know, with this is your mom. What I want to remind people is that God's there in the good and the bad. I mean, he doesn't create bad, he, but he's there. So he's there in the situation. You know, Angelique had asked for this and it wasn't a great time. She didn't want this to happen, but she had asked for it to happen. And, and Pastor Driscoll made a great point. He says, you know, you always see this very popular verse. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. He goes, you see a fighter in the boxing rink or in the cage and, you know, they win and they're saying this. He goes, but as if the fighter on the ground can't say it, right? And you're like, yeah, good point. You know, as if, the, as if God's picking in uh, winners and losers. As the NFL playoffs are among us, you'll see an NFL player uh, make a great play and win, and they'll interview him. He says, I just want to thank God, as if God said, oh, yeah, I got to make Russell Wilson do this today, or today I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers. You know, God's not up there doing this. All things through 
Christ, he who strengthens me, as Pastor Driscoll so eloquently put it, means, God, no matter what comes my way, you will be my rock. It's not whether I win or lose. It's not whether I get a belt or, or the trophy or whether my mom is alive or is, is passed. Mm-hmm. What that verse has been interpreted to mean is not what it really means. What it really means is God will be there for you. He will not abandon you in the good or the bad. Right. And that's, and that's important. Well, it's taken out of context. And if you read all of the scripture before Philippians 4.13, like 11 through 12, you'll see where, you know, Paul is talking about the, the two sides of, of his life, you know, when the rock bottoms and the, the victories. And, and so for you that's listening, I know that you have those moments, those collections of moments and seasons of our life where everything seems to be on a winning, you know, you're on a winning streak. And then other times you're just like, I just can't catch a break. And I guess, you know, that's what we want to get across is it's okay to pray those prayers, but why are we doing it? Are we doing it because we just want to win or are we doing it just because we want to get out of misery or is our heart really aligned with, you know, the will of God and, and what he, he desires for our life? And are we walking with wisdom and obedience? What mm-hmm. have we done with all that information? All of the losses, like all of the hard times, you know, I, you know, I, I break down when I think about that time with my mom, but man, did I learn a lot. And I'm not talking about, I learned how to care for someone that literally her bones were pulp. I learned how to use muscles spiritually that I forgot that I had, you know, I learned that I could handle things uh, that were really massively intense and everything was at the top of the totem pole. My kids, my husband, my business, my mother, everything was at the top. It wasn't like one could just be on the back burner for a while. So it's so easy for us to forget what we learn. And that's in our self-development journey um, in the industry that we're in a lot is we're always like, well, what's, what books are you reading right now? I need to read this book and I need to go to this conference mm-hmm. and I need to do this. And <sighs> did you apply the information from the last one yet? Did you, did you take the steps of obedience that you learned from that experience yet? Have you turned on the light where things went dark before? Or are you just trying to, to delay the obvious? And now you've got a whole big problem that you have to deal with from all of the, as Mark Driscoll put it today, deferred maintenance, the check engine light has been on for a really long yeah. time. And so in the case of my mom, you know, there was no check engine light for me. It was... Maybe there was a check engine light for her at some point in life. Maybe there was unresolved things in her life, but I didn't have control over that. Uh-huh. All I had control over is how I managed that situation and how I walk in wisdom and obedience then and now as a result of it. Amen. Amen, Angela. I think what the, the message here is for those people, it's, it's peace and, and a restful mind and a restful heart, you know? I mean, how many times do we wake up in the middle of the night and we're worried about things? Or how many times, even yesterday with a football game, and we're sitting there getting emotional about a football game and our heart rates are all up. And then we're thinking to ourselves, the, the world's got big problems. Um, and sometimes they're really big. You know, sometimes they're really big. Um, but we have to find peace. And that's what God offers. Um, we want to just remind you as we wrap up this episode, we're here to talk about a quid pro quo relationship with God where if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. 
if you heal me, if you give me this job, if you make this relationship work, I'll go to church or I'll tithe. That's not the way he, he doesn't want that. He's not counting if you're in church. He's, he, you know, he, he wants to make sure that you are having a relationship with him, that you don't just want him as a first aid kid, as we mentioned, that you want him when times are good. And that's where we have to be just as faithful and just as consistent in prayer when things are going amazing. When you're getting the promotion, when your marriage is just thriving, and when you're healthy and you're running, you know, when you go for a run and go, God, thank you for the legs. Even, even now with an injury and I can't lift anything over my head. You're looking at a guy who shoulder day was his favorite day of the week and I just get jacked about it and I haven't been able to lift anything over my head in years. But, but I'll be walking or running or, or just doing something simple. I'll say, thank you for the ability to move my body. Mm-hmm. Just thank you for that. Because what we're trying to do here is just facilitate a relationship and help you guys understand that no matter what phase you're in, that there is an answer. And he does listen. And over and over again, just in today's, in today's biblical searches i mean we have a bible in front of us we probably have 10 in the house but you know it's so easy to just go on google let's face it and i don't think i don't think jesus would not like that (laughs) you know if you're looking for him it doesn't matter if you're looking for him in a in a a 300 year old bible that's made of bound of leather or you're googling he just wants you to look for him and if he was alive today and he was giving his message today he would like if you find it on a t-shirt on a billboard if you find it on google or on a on a post I don't care how you get it. I just want you to get it. Um, so that's what I want. We want you to just get the message and just, I hope this turned you on today. I hope this turned your faith on a little bit. I hope that you realize that if you're steadfast and you're consistent and realize that God's will is sometimes not your will. And sometimes it doesn't happen at the right time. It will happen. And a lot of the times, all the times his, his way is better. You're going to get more if you're patient. So do yourselves a favor. When you're on first base and you're going to take that lead and you think you could steal second base and you're not looking at the third base coach, ask yourself, who knows more? Who can see more? What are the signs? What are the signals? Have you checked in with God? Have you checked in with them? We hope this turned you on, and we'll see you next time.